welcome to church and bless the Lord, oh my soul. I pray that that was on your heart this week as you walk through um, whatever God brought you through this week. And we do need to celebrate what God is doing. And uh, if you're watching the news at all this week, we want to celebrate this morning that Roe versus Wade was overturned. And we just want to praise God for that. Let me read Deuteronomy chapter 30. Today I've given you choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life, physical life and spiritual life, so that you and your descendants might live. So many of us over the years, I'm turning 50 this year, 1972 I was born, Roe v. Wade happened in 1973, I believe. So my whole life, this is something that's been on our heart as believers. And we just want to say thank you, God. Now we know with this, we see the political tension. We see um, the, 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 the pain and the hurt that comes with this, the, 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 the guilt. And there, there's a fine line. We want truth and we want God to be exalted for the praise. But we also want to show God's mercy to those that have walked uh, a path that has been hard and has been difficult. So for us as a church, we want to be a hospital. We want to be the type of church where people can come and we can love on no matter where you've been or what choices you've made in life. We want to, as we're going to find out today, delight in the truths of God's word. We also know that God's mercy and forgiveness is our real. And as a church... I am so proud of this church. One of the reasons we came to this church 15 years ago, because of the first night that we came to visit, there's a group of families up here, five families saying, we just got back from the Valley Orphanage and we are going to adopt. We are in the process of adopting our first daughter and it spoke to us. This has been a church that has valued life and have valued the gift of life that God has on many levels. But now we've got to raise that even more we got to invest in the people that are moms that, that, that don't want to be um, pregnant at that time. we got to find ways to walk alongside people. And the church over the year as a whole has done a good job with that. This church specifically. So thank you. But I encourage you to raise that level even more. Ask God how he wants to keep you involved in this gift of life. But again, we want to praise our Heavenly Father for what has accomplished this week. And we want to thank him. So much we could say about that. As you know, um, Jordan and Pastor Stuckey are going through, oh, um, it's called Relevant Series this summer, different hot topics. So on July 10 in their Sunday school class in here, they're going to be talking about the Roe v. Wade decision and about abortion. So, um, right, July 10, yes. Um, and so we just, we just encourage you, if you want to learn more about it and how as a Christian to process it and, and celebrate Please join that class on that day in July 10. I had a few texts this week and said, what are we going to do about it as a church? Well, that's one thing. Um, so just wanted to throw that out. So turn, turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. Um, we are in actually part 2 of this series. If you saw the earlier slide, it said part 1. Last week it was a very low crowd because of everybody that was gone on the mission trip and Gus Macker and um, turning asparagus fields. So it's, it's 2. It's not 1. 
Um, but we're in Psalm 1 today, which is a wisdom psalm. So just, just stand with me and let's read Psalm 1 together. This is this version's out of the New Living Translation. All the joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God, our God, lasts forever. So, Father, thank you for your words. As we dig deeper into the Psalms this summer, may we grasp their depth and their beauty and the heart behind them. So this psalm, specifically this wisdom song, Father, we live in an age where wisdom is lacking. Wisdom comes from you. So may we delight in your word. So may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O oh God. You're my rock and my redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. Feel free to ta take a seat. So we're talking a lot about memorization, and uh, we'll be talking about it all summer. I'm teaching in, in the pre-K through fifth grade class, and uh, we're just talking about different psalms. And uh, Maltha said, hey, first, my kindergartners and first graders, what have we been studying? She gathered four or five of them that are around the table, and they quoted this the whole psalm. What a privilege to be in a body of believers that values the word of God and to hide it in our young people's heart. Not just young people, but 90-year-old women as well. I encourage you to join us this summer as we, as we memorize the, the Word of God. So you saw the title of the sermon earlier, Are You Living Like a Happy Person? Is where we're going to go this morning. Now, did you know there are 222 videos on YouTube that have over 1 billion views? 1 billion. 44 videos on YouTube have over 2 billion views. 16, over 3 billion views. 6 have reached 4 billion views. 3 videos, over 5 billion views. And 2 videos have reached 7 billion views or more. Billion, not million. What do you think the number one one is? Oh, I heard it. Baby shark doo-doo. I, I think it's one kid hitting it over and over and over. Maybe they were on the train to Colorado, and, and the kid just kept playing it over and over. And, no, not going to allow that to happen. Okay, but, but that's the most popular video watched on YouTube. But one of the songs that has been watched over 1.2 million times is Happy by, by Pharrell Williams. So here, just listen to a clip about this. Happy? Thank you. <laughs> All right, you <laughs> All right, 
so the happy. So the producers of Despicable Me came to, to Pharaoh Williams and said, hey, we need you to write a song about happy for this new, this new movie, Despicable Me, that we want to we come out with. So he wrote the first song. They went to him, and they said, it's not happy enough. Go back and do it again. So this is all from Pastor Dave. Um, so, so they went to him again, and he wrote it. Not happy enough. And they did that quite a few times. So finally he's like, if you want a happy song, I will be, make it happy. So if you listen to the song, 56 times he uses the word happy. Happy. In a three and a half minute song. And some of you think we repeat songs a lot and words a lot. <laughs> but you get, the, you get the heartbeat of the song. And I reckon that it is a popular song because it reflects what everybody wants at the core of their heart. If you ask anybody, what do you really want at the core, they would say, I want to be happy. So why do you do what you do? Why do you go to electric forest? Why do you go to church? Why do you do other things? Because I want to be happy. And happy is different for all of us. And yet, according to USA Today, that cited a Gallup poll, 70% of people are unhappy with their jobs. And another study coming out of um, New York um, that, with some researchers, they said the majority of Americans are unhappy, not with just their jobs, but with their life as a whole and the direction that it's heading. So for every one of us, we have a different picture of what happiness brings. I am a huge Ford truck guy, and I would love to have a 19, I think it's about 49 Ford truck. Happy. That would be great if I could do that. Or if maybe for some of you, if I could make as much money as, I would be happy. Or if I could marry this person, I would be happy. Or if I would not have married this person, I would have been happy. Hopefully you don't say that. But, but, but we have in our Declaration of Independence, in the second paragraph, these famous words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and they are endowed with by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness. 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 As Americans, we are guaranteed that we can pursue happiness, but we're never promised that we will find happiness. And boy, do people chase it. And yet so many people never find it, and here is why they don't find it. Because happiness is never, ever, 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 say it with me, ever found by direct pursuit. Happiness is by a byproduct of another pursuit. When you pursue God with everything you have, when you pursue holiness, happiness tags along. You say it again. When you pursue God, when you pursue holiness, happiness tags along. And it becomes part of who you are. You're not going to find that anywhere else. You might find it for a season, but it's not going to be part of your life. So Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and just a little bit will be added to you. All this will be added to you. God has a lot to say about happiness, and it's not the same things that the world will tell us that brings happiness. So the very first psalm, Psalm chapter 1, talks about this. It's a wisdom psalm. God's wisdom on what makes a person happy. 
Psalm 1 is known as a wisdom song. Last week, Psalm 103, we looked at the psalm that was a hymn song or a praise song. And we asked you to read about five or six, seven of them this week. This week, our focus is on a wisdom psalm. A wisdom psalm. And this shows the reader, shows us as we read thousands of years later, how to become wise by avoiding wicked counsel and walking in the ways of righteousness. And how do you do that? This psalm will tell us by embracing God's word, by embracing his laws and his words. The psalm will show us that this morning. So the ES, we read it in the NLT, but the ESV begins, blessed, we saw that word last week, blessed is the man. The first word, blessed. Blessed is the man that is like this. So as we read it, we'll see. We're going to see a compare and contrast. First, we're going to see blessed is a man that is like this. Now, blessed in this, ver- in this sense means, oh, how happy. It, it's literally written in the plural. The NLT, the one we said, it says, oh, the joys. Not just one joy, but the joys. Other versions start out this way. Happy are those. We also see that in the Beatitudes in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, this word blessed, blessed are, is the man, it comes from two different Hebrew words. So as you see that word in the Old Testament, you've got to study and say, which one is the author referring to? The first one is from the Hebrew word barak, B-A-R-A-K. And this is type of a, a, a temporal, a, a spiritual blessing um, that, that is used here. It can only come from God. And it, it, it's like Genesis 1.22 where, where it says, where it says God bless them saying, be fruitful and multiply. So it's a blessing Kind of God's speaking over them and God's putting on them. But in, in this version, in this version, in this text, when you see the word blessed, it comes from the, the Hebrew word asherah. And it means well-being or flourishing or happiness. And it's used in Psalm 1 and it's used other places throughout the, the Old Testament where it starts blessed or happy or flourishing or all the joys. And we see that throughout the Psalms, we see that throughout the Proverbs, and it describes the happy state of those who live according to God's word. So from this text this morning, we're going to see a description of a happy person. So the first three verses start out this way. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join with mockers. So the happy person is first, dis- first described by what he declines, what he says no to. Everything is negative in this, in this first three, in these first three verses. Or the, the first ver- actually, it's the first verse there. First verse there. It's as, it's as if the author is saying, happy is, mark- happy is a person that is marked by the things he does not do, by the people he does not hang around with, the places he does not go. And you're like, oh, Pastor, that sounds like a lot of fun. I knew that they were killjoys at that Baptist church on the corner. But happy is the person who understands that no many times is the first step to a yes. Said another way, the, the positive often comes after the negative. Just ask an athlete who says no 
to doing and eating certain things so she or he can become a, a, an outstanding athlete. 10 o'clock at night rolls around. Oh, there's Rocky Road ice cream in the freezer. No, I'm not going to touch that. Oh, but it's so good. No, I'm not going to do that. Because they know after the no, there's a positive yes outcome. So what is the happy person supposed to say no to in this passage? First, no to following the advice from the wicked. All the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Or the ESV, blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful to what you listen to. Two quick ways to disaster in life. Take no one's advice. Take everyone's advice. Everyone has an opinion on how we should live and spend our time and our money. And it's not always the best opinion. There's an old Danish proverb that says this. He who builds according to every man's advice will have a crooked house. And then I added, and a crooked life to go with it. Believers need to run to the word of God first. What does the Bible say about abortion? Check the word of God out. What are we supposed to view a marriage like? What's the word of God say? About my sexual life and purity? What does the word of God say? We run to the word of God first. Not to counsel of others, especially the wicked. So quickly, we seek worldly advice. Turn to the word of God first. The second thing a happy person says no to is bad associations. All the, all the joys of those who don't stand around with sinners. Or blessed is the man who does not stand in the way of sinners. First you're walking. Now you're standing. The word standing here means to linger a while. To stay a while. Maybe a little longer than you should actually stay. Let me say it this way. If you walk in the footsteps of bad advice, you will soon stand among those who are giving the bad advice. Be careful who you stand with. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, don't be, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now I want to say something, look at this from the other side as well. It's not wrong to make friends with unbelievers. The psalmist is not saying that. Even Jesus was called a friend of sinners. He hung out with the unrighteous and, and the lowly of that day. But he didn't hang out with them to become like them. He did not sit with them. He, he was there to influence them. He knew what, how his father wanted him to live. And he knew that his father would give him the strength to do that way. And he knew that they would see a difference in him. It's the same Holy Spirit living in you. Don't stand with them. Christians who move the world are people that do not let the world move them. Be so rooted, as we're going to see later, so planted that you're not shaken by the views of this world. The third thing happy people say no to or decline are bad actions. All the joys of those who do not join in with mockers. Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Can I just say this is a very popular seat to take these days? If you, see in the, if you sit in the seat of mockers, especially 
mocking all things God, you will be very popular. Your ratings will go up. You'll be given a voice. You'll be given a platform. It's popular to say, oh, those unintelligent Christians. They, they, they actually believe in faith, this book, this ancient manuscript. And in the church, in the 21st century, we find ourselves in a very unique position. Today, we are the enemy of the culture. Oh, those are the ones that are the, the religious nuts. Crazy right wing or whatever they want to label us. Even going so far as labeling us believers as terrorists. Being the greatest threat to our nation. Saying we're the ones, believers are the ones. The traditional born-again Bible-believing believers are the ones that are preventing this nation from making progress. And I would say the progress is a quickly slope to sin and to wickedness and to godliness. So once again, notice the progression in these verses. Walking at first. You're just walking. You're, you're joining them on the journey. Then, then you start to slow down and you stand still. You linger for a while. And then you're sitting with the mockers. If you do not pursue God's wisdom, it won't be long before you stand with them. And if you stand them with, with them, it won't be long until you sit with them. Think about Peter. The night Jesus was betrayed, he was walking, first with Jesus. Jesus gets arrested. Peter starts following. He's with a crowd. He finds himself standing in a courtyard among people that were mockers of Jesus and mockers of Jesus' followers. And eventually, what did he do? He sat down, and he denied Jesus, that he even knew Jesus. Walking, standing, sitting. It's a very slippery slope. It happens suddenly, so, so, suddenly, and it happens very quickly once it starts. So the happy person is a person that is described by what he says no to what he declines, and where he stands, where he sits, where, where he walks, where he stands, and where he sits. But now the psalmist, after in verse 2, starts to switch. And he starts looking at what the blessed, the happy person does, what he delights in. First it's what he declines in, now it's what he delights in. He moves from the do, do not, to the do. A lot of legalistic Christians brag about what I cannot do. It's, it's, it's negative righteousness. Well, I don't listen to that type of music. I don't go to that type of restaurant. I don't go to those type of movies. I don't smoke or chew or girls, go with girls who do. And I'm like, well, yippee for you. Enough of that mindset. FBC needs to know, be known for what we stand for, what we do do, what we delight in. So the psalmist moves from what they don't do to what they do. And notice the, his attitude towards the Bible. But, the, but they delight in the law of the Lord. He does not say it's their duty to read the word of God. Or it's drudgery getting up at 5 a.m. so I can open up the word of God. Oh, here I go again. Where's my alarm? I'm not going to do it. No, they delight in the word of God. The law of the Lord. 
One translation, I love this, it says, he finds his greatest pleasure in the law of the Lord. Where's your greatest pleasure? Is it this book? The law of the Lord? So, so, so why does he look forward to it? Why, why this? Because it's a book where he encounters the living God. It's a book from his heavenly Father. We need, to know that the, we need to know the Word of God so well and be in the Word of God so that we can know the God of the Word. I want an encounter with Him. And we can only get that through this book and the Holy Spirit living in our lives. So on my screen on my phone, I have a picture of Stacy and I. So Stacy can't always be with me. But I can have her picture with me all the time. And this picture reminds me of her. It speaks to me of her. When she's away, I pull it out and look longingly at it. I might even blow her a kiss. But it's only a picture. It, 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 it's a substitute. It's not even a great substitute. This is, this is from this winter. I got to update it with a wedding picture from last night. But it reminds me of her. And the Bible does that here. It reminds us of God and his truth. It speaks to us of God. It tells us about God and how and when we and, and encountering him and we get to learn about him and he's always there. But here's what even is more amazing as I thought about this passage. When David wrote Psalm 1 and he talked about the happy person delighting in the law of the Lord, he only had the first 5 books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And his delight was in that. How many people in here begin a reading plan in January and they get to Numbers and Leviticus and they're like, Ugh. We have 66 books of the Bible from God, from his heart. 66 of the greatest love story that's ever been written. And we've got to delight in that. Delight in that. Mark, you, 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 you stole a passage I was going to go to, but it was powerful. Turn to Psalm 19. That's the one that Mrs. Gilliam quoted. Starting at verse 7. I'd love to read the whole thing, but we don't have time. Read it with your kids this week. Verse 7. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving for the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. So he's going on and on about the word of God here. And then, they are more desirable than gold. Even the finest gold, which people will think, if I get this gold, I'll be happy. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. My son Spencer's working with bees this summer, so he understands that, 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 that picture of that sweet, sweet honey. We get God's wisdom by delighting in the Word of God, by saturating our lives in the Word of God. Nothing does my heart better than to watch my kids in the morning or in the evening reading the Word of God. I'll get up in the morning, take my shower, and some mornings one of my sons will be up sitting at the bar in the kitchen reading the Word of God. 
I'll go into my daughter's bedroom, and one of the daughters will be reading her Bible on her bed and taking notes. Nothing as a father delights me more than that. Because there's power in that. Are you doing that yourself? Are you delighting in the Word of God? Is it your greatest treasure? Psalmist goes on in verse 2. I've got negative 101 minutes left. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> We're still good on time. There's usually a countdown in the back of how long I have. <laughs> it's red, too, so this is not good. <laughs> so the psalmist goes on in verse 2. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it. When? Day and night. Biblical meditation is so different than what they're doing over there at the Electric Forest right now. It's where we consciously engage our minds and focus it on the revealed truth of God's Word. The truth of God's Word was where our mind just sits. It's, it, it, the root word for meditation, this is where we get our cow example in, in Awana. It's a picture of a low moaning as an animal chews their cud. I mean, I don't have any cows right now, first time in years, but I just love to watch them chew their cud. We do that when we eat sometimes too, like, oh, so good. Mm. We talk to ourselves, that was the best bite. We react to what we're eating. The picture of meditation is not just reading the scriptures, oh, I'm done, I read through the Bible this year. But we feed on the scripture. We chew on the scripture. We meditate on the scripture. Slow down long enough to, to chew on the words and the thoughts. To say it out loud back to yourself. Ask yourself, is this a command? Is this a promise? What, what do I learn about God from this, this passage? What does this teach me of how God wants me to live? Meditation is the link between theory and action. It develops what you believe at the core, your worldview, how you see the world, how you see your family, how you see God. It determines how you walk, it determines where you stand, and it determines where you're going to sit. Delight and meditate on the Word of God. So, so far we've seen the happy, the blessed person by what they decline and what they say yes to and delight in. The third part they're described by what they depict. I had a hard time this week. When I preach, I always like to talk through a passage. I am not a point, 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 point. But I've got four Ds today, so you should be proud of me. You'll follow along easier. They are described by what they depict. They are like, verse 3. This is often verse 3. They are like what? Trees. It doesn't say they are a stump of a tree. Or they're twigs lying on the ground. Or they're like a pile of four-by-fours sitting by Jason's house he's building. No, they are growing and they're flourishing. Growth is a normal part of life. You expect growth to happen if there is life going on. If you have a seed, you plant it in the ground, you nurture it, and it begins to grow. When a baby is born, you expect it to grow with the right nurture. If Jaden was still in diapers when he got married last night, JL would be in for an incredible surprise last night when they got to their verbal. You expect growth. We, 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 we see the, a, a, when, when we see a believer or a Christian who is born again and they're always at the same level, something's wrong. 
There, there ought to be growth. The tree as depicted as progress, as growth. From this time last year, are you growing in your faith? Is your faith growing? Is there growth in your life? But the tree also depicts permanence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank. Picture a tree with its roots growing down deep into the soil, deriving its nutrients that it needs and becoming a permanent part of the landscape. The word here is permanence. It's not potted. Stacy and I, when we used to, uh, when we were dating before we got married, we'd always dig a Christmas tree and we'd put it in a pot in her bedroom and we'd decorate it. Now, if we left that pot there too long, what was going to happen to that tree? It'll die. So we'd take that tree in the spring and we'd plant it behind her parents' house down in Zealand. Well, those trees got so big that they couldn't even see down, so they chopped them down. But they're, they're planted. They're not potted. The word here is the same word picture that Jesus used when he says, abide in me. Remember that word? It's a great New Testament word. Abide means to remain in me, to, to be planted firmly. Have you ever met a person that is like, like in and out and back and forth with Jesus? We've got to extend grace and we've got to walk alongside them. They make a commitment, they recommit, they fail, they recommit. They make a commitment, they fail, they recommit. Planted firmly. David prayed, create in me a new heart, a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Progress. Permanence. It also speaks of God's productivity when calling God's people to be planted like a tree. Verse, keep going to verse 3. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. It's not an overnight success. It's seasonal. It takes time, but it's producing fruit. If you have studied your Bible, you know that fruit is a picture of actions, of results, of spiritual activity. Jesus said you will be known by your fruit. What's your fruit like? What's your fruit like? Is your fruit refreshing? When I think of fruit, Barb came to the office this week, Monday or Tuesday, with watermelon. Oh, it was so good. No seeds, juicy, refreshing a happy person, a blessed person is the kind of per person that, that when you're around them, you feel refreshed. You, you see their fruit in their life, and it refreshes you. Some people just drain you, don't they? And, and there's a place for that, to walk alongside people with their burdens. And we, we need to be there for them. But you know, when you're around somebody that's bearing fruit, your tank is filled up. You feel refreshed. And that's the type of person that the Psalm 1 is describing. It also speaks of perseverance. Their leaves never wither. It doesn't give up. It keeps going. It's probably an evergreen tree. It also speaks of prospering. And they prosper in all that they do. They're heading towards full grown. They're heading towards maturity. And they're bearing fruit. And they're prospering in all that they do. So here's a picture of a life from this tree that is aligned with God. Because, because, because they are delighting in God's word. 
their life is in balance, their spiritual life, their work life, their hobby life, their family life, their sexual life, they're all in balance because they're planted and they're delighting in God's word. And they're happy in the ups and downs of life. I love the, little, I love the story of a little boy that went to the, to, to the store to pick out a puppy. He puts his face up against the glass, and this puppy comes up to him, and he's all happy. And he, he's, he can start talking to him through the glass, and the puppy's responding. All of a sudden, that tail just goes like this. And the tail sweeps harder and harder and harder, and the whole butt is going like, woo hoo hoo back and forth. And the boy goes to his dad and says, I want the one with a happy ending. <laughs> Don't we all want life with a happy ending, Right? A life marked by growth, a life marked by productivity, a life marked by refreshment and prosperity and maturity. So we've seen a happy man, a happy woman, on what they decline. We've seen them what they delight in. And we, see, we saw them how they're depicted. And finally, the fourth D, we see them how they differ. Hey, I've got still three minutes. In the green now. Verses four through six. Let's finish this. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So just a quick word about what's happening here. This is an antithetical psalm, meaning the first, whoops, can I go back there? The first three verses describe one type of person, and the next three verses describe a different type of person. Verse 1 through 3, the blessed, the happy person, the wise person. Verse 4 and 5, the ungodly person, the unwise person. Verse 6 compares both of them in a summary fashion. The first type of person is different than the second type of person. What can be said of the first guy cannot be said of the second guy. One's a planted tree, one's a pile of chaff. If you really want to see the difference, look at the first and the last words of the psalm. All the joys are blessed, describes the first one. What's the last word of the psalm? Perish or destruction. It sets that stage. It sets the outcome of both types of lives. So they're like chaff. They'll be condemned at judgment. So chaff is a, a husk. It, it's the skin around wheat. It, it's next to the seed, but once, and it protects the seed, but once it's harvested, it gets separated, and it just blows away, and it creates nasty dust, and it's gone. It's at the mercy of wind. And as I thought about chaff this week, what an interesting description of the unbeliever. The un unbeliever does not believe there is a God or even that there's a devil. The, the irony is, is, is they are being driven and controlled by the very thing that they deny. Their life is just being controlled by the wind. They're just, I'm just going to do what makes me happy. And they're going to be judged for it. They'll be condemned for it. They're going to perish for it. Paul says in Ephesians 1, uh, 2, verses 1 through 2, um, he says these words. As for you, you were dead and your trespassions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the second person in this passage, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
So what does your life represent? Is it planted like a tree? Or is it like chaff being blown all over as you chase happiness? It's amazing that God gives us two paths. He doesn't give us 50 choices. He gives us two roads, two choices, two paths, two results. One that is a blessed, happy life, and one path that leads to destruction. There's a man that went to a stream, and he picked up a stone out of the water. And he got down on his knees, picked up the stone, and looked at it, and it's all wet. He took his hammer, and he broke it in half. And he was amazed. The inside was dry. And he's like, how can that be? It's all surrounded by the water. But the inside is dry. And he started to think about his own life. And how he's surrounded by people of faith. Surrounded by the church. Surrounded by good music. But his inward heart was not moist from the outside. He was dry. He was like chaff being blown all over. Same thing with us. You can surround yourself with everything God. But if you're not in the word of God, if you're not delighting in the word of God and being planted by God himself, you'll be blown away. You'll be dry on the inside. You'll be like chaff being thrown all over. So my challenge to you this morning is which path are you walking? Are, are, are you being intentional about getting wisdom from God? Are you, are you walking in such a way that puts you in this book and you're finding wisdom? Yes, Ryan, I've heard this every Sunday. But are you doing it? Is your life being changed or are you dry on the inside? Today's the day to make a choice and say, this summer, I'm going to dive into the Psalms. I'm going I'm to learn what God wants me to learn. I'm going to commit to this with everything I got. And by the end of the summer, I guarantee you're going to see a difference. There'll be fruit. There'll be refreshment. There'll be productivity. Dig into the wisdom psalms this week and see what God has to show you. Let me pray. Father, I so bad want to have my inside wet, moist, soaking wet from your living true words. And God, it starts with the relationship with you starts pursuing after the things of God. It, pursue, it starts with not looking for this world for happiness, but looking towards you to happiness. So, Father, I pray that anybody in this room this morning that doesn't know your son Jesus, that they will start there because that's where it starts. That they'll give their life to you. But, God, I'm speaking a lot this morning to those that are believers. They're just, they're, they're just they're surrounded by it but they're potted. They're not producing fruit. They're living a life that's, that's being tossed by this world. God, may they turn to your word this summer. May they dig deep and plant themselves there. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.